Hello, my name is Jody Lee Mott, and welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the children's books we love. On this twice-monthly podcast, posted on the first and third Monday of each month, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts about their own favorite children's books. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Aditi Weren Singh, founder and chief editor of Raising World Children. And we're going to be talking about the comic book novel Karna by Amar Chitra Kata. Uh, but first, as always, I'm going to start with a poem. And it just seemed particularly appropriate today to read uh, this poem by Maya Angelou called Life Doesn't Frighten Me. Life doesn't frighten me. Shadows on the wall, noises down the hall. Life doesn't frighten me at all. Bad dogs barking loud, big ghosts in a cloud. Life doesn't frighten me at all. Mean old mother goose, lions on the loose. They don't frighten me at all. Dragons breathing flame on my counterpane, that doesn't frighten me at all. I go boo and make them shoo, I make fun and away they run. I won't cry so they fly, I just smile, they go wild. Life doesn't frighten me at all. Tough guys fight all alone at night, life doesn't frighten me at all. Panthers in the park, strangers in the dark, no, they don't frighten me at all. That new classroom where boys all pull my hair, kissy little girls with their hair and curls, they don't frighten me at all. Don't show me frogs and snakes and listen for my scream. If I'm afraid at all, it's only in my dreams. I've got a magic charm that I keep up my sleeve. I can walk the ocean floor and never have to breathe. Life doesn't frighten me at all. Not at all. Not at all. Life doesn't frighten me at all. My guest today is Aditi Werdan Singh, founder and chief editor of Raising World Children, a platform for resources about raising children of multicultural families. In addition, she's author of the parenting guide, Strong Roots Have No Fear. You can find her website at RaisingWorldChildren.com. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Aditi. Thank you for having me. As I mentioned, you're a founder and chief editor of Raising World Children. Can you talk a little bit about what that organization is? Yes. Uh, so at Raising World Children, we are an online and in-print publication. So we are aiming to help parents by uh, reaching, getting diverse voices to them, basically. Stories, strategies in that help parents raise uh, thought leaders and uh, global citizens. Where did the idea for creating this organization come from? I am a third culture kid myself. I, I'm an Indian raised in Kuwait and uh, now I'm raising American kids. Uh, they are born in America. So they are pretty much American and Indian. <laughs> so I had I was having challenges uh, raising them and I started writing about it. I had I had already been blogging and then my writing journey took me to creating a collaborative platform where I invite everyone. So we've so far featured like 100 plus uh, writers from around the world. And we all write together about whatever works for us in parenting. A uh, lot of it is aimed at multicultural families. But of course, today, every family is almost pretty much multicultural. And uh, a part of it, you've, you've written your own book, uh, Strong Roots Have No Fear, which is uh, a parenting guide for uh, raising children in multicultural families. Talk a little bit about um, sort of the, the prem, you know, premise of the book and the sort of things that you suggest in that book. 
Yes, so the book is an anecdotal uh, reference guide, I would say. Uh, I have used a lot of my childhood to give parents an example of what a child feels uh, as we raise them. So uh, I uh, tend to believe that a lot of our decisions in life and especially parenting uh, stem from our own childhood and what we have experienced. So if we are uh, in a situation with a child where we are at odds or if we are trying to teach them uh, a certain value system in life, uh, we just need to take back a step and look at what we have experienced ourselves as children and then use that as a pro or con towards what might or might not work for children. So with uh, through all the mothers that I have had conversations with, the book uh, contains a lot of, of course, anecdotes from my life. But more than that, it contains a lot of talking points uh, which uh, resonate with a lot of parents. They use them to uh, teach their kids moderation, uh, uh, how to how consequences come from your decisions, how uh, you have deal with friends, bullies, uh, how to deal with predators, uh, having self uh, control, and of course uh, the last part of the book is completely about multicultural living, which is uh, you know how to talk about to your children about racial equality and uh, celebrating life completely. Have you gotten, uh, for people who've uh, uh, read or communicated with you about um, this book, have you gotten some feedback about how it has uh, helped them or helped them to think about these uh, matters? Oh, yes. I have gotten uh, extremely positive feedback. Uh, chief among them are the two awards that we recently won. Uh, sorry, we were a finalist in one award, uh, the top 10 for the Global Literary Awards. Uh, and uh, we also recently were won honorable mention in uh, the Royal Dragonfly Awards. Uh, and from the readers, we uh, get uh, lo uh, feedback of being able to see their own childhood mostly. Uh, a lot of parents even say that it's not like I had aimed it for zero to 10, but a lot of parents come back and tell me that, you know what, your book is a great reminder for us to how to deal with people because we seem to forget we seem to forget how to you know uh, look back at ourselves and how to live life and it's uh, helped uh, us in trying to help our children it's helped us a lot uh, we had i had a mother from australia write to me uh, she and i are good friends now in fact that uh, she cried while reading the book because it was the first book which she felt represented a multicultural family as she's never seen before and would you say that even uh, families that necessarily you wouldn't define as multicultural would still get value out of reading this book and the anecdotes and how uh, sort of advice and uh, sort of real life experience that uh, um, that you relate in this book? Yes, of course. I have the first three sections are pretty much uh, aimed at uh, younger children, but uh, it is applicable to almost all families. Uh, all open-minded people would find great uh, value from it, actually. Uh, when I was writing it, uh, my whole purpose was that no matter what page you open, open, you should be able to get some value from it. And uh, that's the feedback I've gotten that, you know, they just keep it on their desk and they read a page whenever they can. So that's wonderful. Well, it sounds like a, a terrific book. Is, is there anything in Raising World Children that you're currently working, working on or looking forward to uh, with the online platform? Uh, in the online platform, we are currently looking to diversify our channel. So we uh, we are we may be shifting to YouTube as well to uh, you know cater to people who prefer listening, mm -hmm. like like your own listeners. And uh, we in our on our publication, 
sorry, in our print, we are coming out with two, two children's books. Uh, one is about uh, how children can cope with mothers going to work. And the other one is about talking to your kids about skin color. And uh, we have a global co collaborative book coming out next year as well, uh, which is very close, actually, <laughs> hmm. uh, which is uh, written by 25 mothers. We have uh, 25 mothers from around the world. Different walks of life have come together to talk about how to raise the global mindset. Hmm. So it sounds like you're going to be very busy in the near future. Yes, I am. <laughs> Yes. Well, the YouTube thing, I, I've thought about going video myself, but I'm not quite ready for that. So I, I, I understand the, the that's a, it's quite a big leap to do that. So, but uh, I think it's it sounds like it's an exciting project going forward. I love talking to people. So we are currently doing uh, a 12 days of uh, empowerment on our Facebook page, which is me talking to mothers from around the world, and we're having a lot of fun. Uh, every day I have a new host, and we we talk about uh, topics, and it's it's wonderful. It's just, I think, a great way to connect with people from around the world and build new friendships. Hmm. Now, the book you picked as one of your favorite kids' books is uh, uh, titled Karna, and it was published in 1971 by uh, Amar Chitra Katha. Uh, yes. I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. And uh, and that's a publishing house that publishes uh, a lot of different books. Uh, but for readers, and this is uh, a book that I hadn't read before and was not familiar with. Uh, can you tell readers who may not be familiar uh, with that, with this particular book, uh, what it is, what it's about? So let's start with telling your readers a little bit about Amar Chitrakatha. Mm -hmm. uh, Amar uh, Chitrakatha literally translates to timeless uh, st uh, picture stories. So Amarjita Katha in uh, the history of uh, India have uh, taken the onus, you might say, of uh, telling all our mythological and historical stories in picture form. They're the first comic books, as you might say, in India. We uh, we never had Superman and Spider-Man to look up to. <laughs> we had uh, mythological characters like Karna and the Pandavas and the Kauravas. Uh, we used to you know, read all these stories again and again. Uh, and uh, learn from them. Uh, Karna is one such character from the uh, epic Mahabharat, which is also considered religious text by a lot of people. Uh, it, but it is a beautiful story about a man who uh, does not have the rightful place in his life. And then he, uh, uh, he gives his life serving a friend who needs him more than uh, against his family. The main character, Karna, what is it about him? If you could talk a little bit about who he is and what makes him such a, a an interesting and compelling person to read about. So uh, Karna is a mythological character, but a beautiful uh, aspect of Karna, which a lot of people tend to not uh, remember to do these days, is the fact of how giving he was as a person. So uh, Karna is mythologically said to be uh, the... A son of uh, the sun god so he has uh, he was born with uh, beautiful earrings uh, gold earrings and he was born with a covert you call it i, I what i would say armor mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. uh, a gold plated armor which used to protect him from everything but uh, b because of a few things that happened early on in, in his life he's cursed uh, with a certain he is cursed so those curses lead to his death eventually. But throughout his life, he is the epitome of uh, what friendship should be like, what an ideal man should be like, what uh, what uh, relationships, uh, how you should maintain relationships, and how hardworking you should be to attain your goals. Mm -hmm. 
Now, uh, throughout the the book, he makes uh, you know uh, several decisions that ends up putting him in great peril, and he's often very aware that the decisions he makes is going to put him in danger. And his justification is that he has to be uh, true to his his what he calls his dharma. And you can talk a little bit about what dharma is and why it's so important to understanding uh, why uh, Karna does the things or makes the decisions that he does. Dharma uh, it actually defines what our actions are. So dharma is, I would say, um, I'm sorry, I'll take a second to, uh, you know, voice my words. Sure. Is, uh, I would say uh, a value system. Yes. So dharma is basically what your value system is based on. So uh, it could be religious, it could be spiritual, it could be uh, whatever uh, you believe in. And that defines your actions. So when a person in uh, the epic of Mahabharat or uh, Ramayana say that we have to follow dharam means we have to follow the rule of law. It could be a uh, royal. It could be uh, because they are uh, because of royalty or because of whatever promise they have made or because of what they believe to be right. And uh, no matter what the consequences to their actions. And uh, even apart from uh, uh, Dharma, there's a, a several themes that are wo- woven through this story. Uh, the idea of the importance of family, of fate, of how jealousy affects us, and even class. Uh, what's your? Do you see how these themes play out, and what's your kind of takeaway from the how these sort of all di- these different themes kind of play throughout the story? Well, um, I oh, that's, that's there's so much in it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when Karn was born, uh, actually he it's written Karna, but it's pronounced Karn. There's a sound na in that which is very Indian. Uh, mm. It's it's uh, it's hin- it's in Hindi basically. So um, when Karn was born, uh, he was born to a mother who had him because of um, oh my god, uh, she uh, had him out of wedlock. She had a bone to be able to birth children uh, from gods. Now that you could uh, you could derive that to mean whatever you may. But she wanted to try that out as I'm putting air quotes here. So she tried it out and she the sun god gave her a son. And she was like, oh my god, you know, I cannot, I don't know what to do with this. I, I cannot keep him. And uh, the sun god just gave the son and walked away. <laughs> so, so then uh, with nothing, with nowhere to turn, she puts him in the water. And then he's found by a charioteer. And uh, then he is raised by them. But being of royal blood, he always shows signs of being brave. uh, Because in Indian mythology, it is said that uh, Kshatriya or um, the warrior class have qualities that other classes do not. So even though he was being raised in a class which was inferior to him per se, he took up the qualities of both, of the hard work of the charioteer and always kept true to the dharma of the royalty, even though he didn't know actually that whose son he was. And then when he grew up, he grew up to be a great warrior by learning uh, skills. And then he meets uh, Duryodhan, uh, who is the, uh, you would say, nemesis of Pandavas. Pandavas, who would be the real brothers uh, of, uh, sorry, would be his real brothers because they are the, Five sons Kunti had after wedlock. 
so my god this is a little confusing now no, that's okay that's okay but uh, yes so um, but duryodhan gives him the place in society which uh, his mother and his brothers brothers of course did not even know he existed and who he was but his mother never gave him so because uh, and he had been you know mocked a lot throughout his life because he knew in his heart that he was something special so when duryodhan gives him a a, a, a village to you know uh, sorry a town i believe to be a king of he becomes completely indebted to him and uh, i think that that part is a huge testament to how you need to remember that no matter how much someone does for you there is a line on which what you owe them stops and that is uh, that is what where karna's story is, i believe is a beautiful uh, depiction of that that or often we tend to keep friendships going that oh they've done this for me and you know i need to keep uh, you know i need to be indebted to them but there has to be a line when that stops and uh, that is uh, where karn never stops that line he keeps being indebted to him even when duryodhan goes into <coughs> war which is the epic of mahabharat uh, where uh, he goes to, duryodhan uh, with his 100 brothers goes to war war with the five pandavas now karn if karn was on pandava's side then there would have been no defeating them but just because karn was on duryodhan's side the whole balance shifted completely and uh, the war lasted way longer than it should have and uh, eventually of course uh, because of the curses that he was under uh, which uh, again were, the curses also were caused by his dharma uh, and because eventually because he was on duryodhan side he chose to make wrong decisions uh, even though he didn't completely agree with him he sided with duryodhan in killing pandava's sons and you know doing uh, uh, slyly rather not in war but you know being uh, uh, what be, in the wrong way then eventually those curses take effect and he dies there's a certain in, in, inevitability about uh what's going to happen to him i know it, it was funny when i was reading this this was a, a new story to me but i was often struck with par- parallels or it reminded me of other stories i was familiar with like um at the beginning where he's uh put in a basket and sent off the river i immediately thought of the story of moses in the basket and it yes. just and then i thought you know the idea of the uh you know half human half god and somebody who has sort of a tragic fate i thought of some of the sort of greek myths like heracles uh, yes. that reminded me of and i don't know if you if you've um noticed some of these similarities and if they suggest even though uh, like i said this was a new story to me there's a certain universality in a yes. lot of the themes it presents yes so a lot of people tend to uh, take these uh, texts as religious but for me my translation of these have always been that stories uh, are a great way to build a value system and uh, uh, my brother's name in fact is karan uh, because my mother loves the character of karan uh she uh, and the f- uh, fact that when you mention that the stories are similar if you uh, read all the mythological stories uh, in the amar chitrakatha series you will find a lot of similarities just how uh, christmas is sil- similar to diwali where we uh, in diwali we light up lights and christmas also the whole city is lit up with li- lights so there are a lot of similarities across cultures in stories as well and that's a great point actually uh, moses yes i did uh, see the similarity but i was not really aware of the other one that you spoke of and i will look up that myself now <laughs> okay yeah well it's interesting and i think that's the value of uh, looking at stories you know uh, from 
from different places, uh, you know, how they're unique in their own ways. And yet you can always find, you know, bits and pieces that, you know, that this is a lot of universal truths as, as people are in, in many ways. People are, are unique in the sort of the cultures they grow up in, but at the same time, people are people. And this sort of the, 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 the sort of, uh, the way they go through life and the, the emotions and the, the relationships they have with other people. Right. Yeah. So it, it is incredible that, uh, to me, uh, when I was a kid, it was very, um, like I said, incredible when, uh, Kunti's, uh, comes to Karn to say that, please fight by my sons. And he says, no. And then uh, she says, okay, then uh, uh, then I think the next morning, I believe, um, he, he says, no, I will never let go of Duryodhan because he was by my side when no one else was, which is actually, uh, which is something that you should remember in life too, uh, is to stand by people uh, if uh, they have stood by you. But the next morning when the sun god, uh, sorry, when, oh uh, shoot, I forget, um, Indradev, Indra God comes uh, to earth uh, disguised as a beggar and he tells him, can I have your uh, Kavach and Kundal? Uh, because uh, this is the time, uh, because Karan every morning he wakes up and he uh, donates something. He prays to Sun God and he donates something. So this, uh, he comes and uh, he asks him and Karan knows that without this, I am going to die. This means that I am, uh, this means my death is you know, coming close to me, but he still chooses to do what his dharma says, where he has promised that every morning I'm going to get up and donate whatever is asked of me of the first thing in the morning. So uh, it's incredible that uh, to be able to sacrifice, uh, knowing that you are going to suffer in the end of it. Uh, I think uh, these stories are just a beautiful way of uh, remembering what life is all about and, you know, uh, looking at the nuances in them and understanding what they mean to say rather than what they're literally saying. And even though these stories are from a long time ago, they still have uh, a meaning and value to us today. Yes. Uh, Amachitrakatha, in fact, uh, like I said, they're the first comic books in India. And we had, I, I still have like around 300 of them. I collected them over the years and uh, they you can read them anytime. And they are they always carry value because just like, uh, like I said, some people consider them re- religious texts. But I've never re- read the Vedas. So for me, this is the closest I'm go- ever going to get. <laughs> I just say, these are retelling of old stories. What do you think the value is of, uh, like I said, putting in this sort of this uh, comic book form? Why why that format uh, was had a, a particular appeal um, to people? I believe, I think, uh, to get the stories in the hands of children. Uh, my parents never had the time. Uh, when I was raised in Kuwait, like I mentioned. And uh, there were a couple struggling uh, to make a life in a new country. They didn't have time to sit down and tell me stories. Uh, and we didn't have uh, Doordarshan, uh, which was the one channel of Hindi, which you got in India, on which you used to get these stories, uh, at, I believe, 9 to 10 every morning. Uh, sorry, not every morning, every Sunday morning. So when I got my hands on these, I was fascinated because uh, it was incredible to me that uh, the the lives these people have led, like these larger than life heroes, like I think I'm sure how uh, anyone would uh, kids nowadays feel when they talk about Iron Man or uh, Transformers and stuff. So for me, it was. But then these people had a values uh, which they were willing to die for. And even I think I started reading Amachitra Katha when I was eight, and uh, they I was always fascinated. And they even carry a lot of historical uh, uh, stories. They have brought them to life. And again, I I guess it's just getting 
because comic books i believe are a great way to get uh, kids to read you know i see a lot of people nowadays uh, look down upon comic books that no oh my kids need to be reading chapter books but i i uh, from i think i started reading a uh, book i mean comics at the age of 6 till probably 10 when i discovered nancy drew and all that and i'm an author today so i don't think the uh, it really matters as long as the child is reading and reading good books uh, or even like just reading and reading you know big words and stuff like that and thinking about what they're reading i think that's what matters and i think uh, amarchitra katha had a mission which i hope is true to uh, make sure those the value system those values get passed on the heritage that the historical uh, leaders of our country who gave their lives uh, fighting for the country or maybe building uh, 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 missions would get uh, carried forward by the next generation and i think they pretty much succeeded for quite a few years whatever gets to, uh, kids to reading is a a good thing and and thinking about things because when they're they're reading they're 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 just not passive they're actually experiencing and thinking about things as well yes i have been behind my son to read them uh, they but then since like i said uh, children nowadays do not think of nuances themselves so i have to sit down with him and explain certain things to him because they nowadays i feel kids take things very literally because maybe they're more used to seeing netflix and youtube so i have to explain to him that no this is what it means to say because uh, even for a recent uh, he read about the origin of the festival holi and he was like why is the festival named after the the person who was doing the wrong thing how is that possible and then i had to explain to him why that would be so i think uh, uh, the little bit of shift that has happened is uh, happened is that we need to help them nudge them to start thinking in a different direction where they read something uh, to not be so literal to see the metaphors and the meanings behind things hmm. now um like i said this is this this uh, particular book was the uh, the first one as i was not uh, familiar with it uh but i really enjoyed it for other re- um readers who listen to this podcast and and seek uh this particular book out but there are there are so many other books uh put out by uh, by the uh, mir chitra katha uh what a, do you have any other i know there's so many that are out there do you ha- <laughs> do you have uh, just uh, maybe a, a few uh, for anybody who reads this one is interested maybe a, a few others that they might go to next because uh, they might be a little overwhelmed by that by the huge list of uh, titles that are there yes oh my well i can tell you my favorite ones um uh, akbar birbal i believe is one of the most famous ones uh then i uh the story of the pandavas uh that's a great one um the legend of bhagat singh that is a must read the legend of azad singh is a must read um and who else oh my goodness uh, uh story of bhasmasur uh, shiva stories shiva uh, I, i believe there's one amachitra katha which has three shiva stories and uh, lord shiva uh, is known to make a lot of mistakes even though he's a god he is very hasty in giving blessings <laughs> and it makes for a very fun read because he always ends up suffering and then other gods have to come to uh, help him which is uh, which is kind of a great way to look at not being very liberal with your choices so that was a, a great influence on my childhood you know because i grew up to think a lot before uh, making decisions because of that um then oh my i think that's i think those five six the oh the stories of rajputs uh, that's a great one i'm a rajput myself so uh, the i think it's called the great rulers 
of uh, sorry um something to that effect rajput word is there for sure <laughs> so it talks about the kings who were rajput and uh, th- that's historical of course uh, five kings of uh, who have been rajput and their uh, the legend of their stories and stuff so that's a good uh those uh, the suggestions are a good way to get started to uh, sort of dip your foot in and uh, then you it, i suppose a person wants to read them all and uh, they they've got lots of reading material for a while yes oh my goodness yes if you uh, are interested in hindi in any mythology you're going to be very entertained if you are interested in history and you want your children to learn about indian history uh, there is a great uh, list of books that are there yeah, because like you said, it's it's not just uh, uh, the the mythology; it's also the history uh, yes. as well that the books deal with. Well, Aditi, uh, thank you so much for uh, introducing this book to me. It's always nice to for me to uh, read something that I had not just hadn't read before, but wasn't familiar with. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me about um, uh, your organization, raising world children, and your your book as well. Thank you. This was a pleasure. It uh, it felt like I went back to my childhood again, which is beautiful feeling to have. You can find Aditi's website at raisingworldchildren.com. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music titled All Together is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art was created through Canva which can be found at www.canva.com. You can visit me at jleemont.com or follow me on Twitter at DreamGardensJLM. The Dream Gardens podcast is also available through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. And if you'd like to participate in a Dream Gardens podcast, go to the contact page on my website and send me a note telling me who you are and what book you'd like to talk about. And until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading.